Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app. Life Audio. Welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And today we are going to be talking about canceling and murdering (laughs) and all sorts of fun, aggressive... Red rum, red rum. (laughs) That's a terrifying movie. That is, that is, that is. Okay, fair game. So we're going to be, we're going to be getting into that. What, what is murder? What is the Ten Commandment? What is the 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 commandment? The Sixth Commandment. It's hard to talk about without saying the word ten. Uh, yeah, (laughs) yeah. What is the Sixth Commandment all about? And, uh, we're going to see what that looks like. But first, we're going to have a quick word from our sponsors. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air, they're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ. Okay, so, I don't know where to start. <laughs> Do we, let's, let's talk about what, what murder is. And why don't we start with kind of misconceptions about the Ten Commandments, because a lot of us learned the Ten Commandments by quoting the King James Version, and it does not say, uh, don't murder. It says, thou shalt not kill. kill. Right. And so people do take that and run with it. Yeah. And they go some screwy directions with it, because guess what? We kill things all over the Bible. In fact, if the Tenth Commandment, or sorry, if the Sixth Commandment, right. see, I can't not do it. <laughs> if the commandment actually said thou shalt not kill then a lot god of people contra- are breaking that well god contradicts right. himself by yeah. setting up the whole sacrificial system right at that yeah. point yeah right so that's not what it says it says you it shall is not murder not what it says yeah yeah the word that it uses occurs 47 times in the old testament and it's split between 27 times where uh it's murdering with intention it's it's exclusively killing a human being and then 20 times it's accidentally killing a human being our translations uh sometimes that second one they'll refer to that as manslaughter which is you know more contemporary that's kind of what we do and that's why in the old testament system they had cities of refuge where if you accidentally killed someone then uh, you would run to a city refuge and uh the actually the redeemer who was the avenger as well would uh, not be able to kill you because you were living in a city of refuge interesting yeah yeah, yeah. uh the, there's a separate word for kill and that occurs 
171 times. And that's much more generic. And that is like what's used in war and so-and-so killed somebody else. But the most common one is uh, just the word for death, to die. One of the Hebrew tenses, uh, when it's used, it is to cause to. And so to cause to die is also killing someone. 881 times. Well, the word that's used in the sixth commandment is don't murder. What? No, I was confused. Oh. I was going to go on to something else, but that that was a different word. No, that's fair. That's fair. Okay. <laughs> I had this very pensive look, and Zach was looking at me thinking, what's, what's happening? Next? What's happening? Basically, I'm having a stroke. So <laughs> I hope not. I hope no. you're okay, buddy. Okay. So, um, all right. So you shouldn't murder, right? I think thus far we have done a pretty good job of avoiding that one. If, yeah. If we, you just, know, I've obeyed that. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, like that, that one's one of those where it feels like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Great. Check. You know, um, Jesus doesn't seem to see it that way. He has like a higher standard. You know, why has he got to come around doing that? Why has he got, <laughs> why has he got to make this because harder? Because it's Jesus. <laughs> So, uh, so in Matthew, let's see here, Matthew five, I think we said five twenty one through twenty six. Um, he comes in and he says this. He says, "You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment." Uh, again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which is like a, uh, it's like fool or yeah, like a, you yeah, know, a sign right. of contempt, a, a, right? Yeah. Uh, they're answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still together on the way, or your adversary may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly I tell you, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. Um, penny, interesting. Huh. Wonder what the actual day's wage. I bet it's denarius. It's probably denarius. Yeah. yeah. Um. <clears throat> okay. So what it seems to me here is Jesus's standard of murder. What that actually looks like in his head, in the eyes of God, is to store contempt in your heart for someone else. Right. To right. harbor anger or aggression towards somebody else in your heart to hate someone in your heart. Uh, this feels very much to me like when Jesus says, uh, when he's talking about adultery. Uh, actually, oh, he's that's the, literally the next part. <laughs> he says, uh, you should not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in right. his heart. Yes. And so you've got this concept of like, what you do in your heart is still the act like you're still guilty of the crime, whether or not you've ever actually murdered someone. If you've hated them, then you've written them off in your heart. You've, yep. you've already killed them in your, in your own mind. Like basically what happens inside of us is as important as what happens outside of us. Is that a fair take? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. That's interesting that Jesus talks about hatred in this passage, right? Uh, does he actually say the word hate? He says angry. Um, he says raka, which is contempt, you know. Okay. Uh, okay. he says you fool. Uh, so he doesn't exactly say the word hate, but I mean, it really feels that way. Okay. Like it's, it's, well, it's actually less than that, really. It's if you see your brother or sister as a fool, if you have contempt towards them, if, 
you are angry with them. And right. That's not right. even quite hate. That's just true. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's interesting because in the Old Testament, when the difference between unintentional murder and intentional murder is described, one of the common ways to describe intentional, no, one of the common ways to describe unintentional murder is if you went out into the field, not having hated your brother and kill him, you're chopping down a tree and the axe head flies off and it hits him and it kills him. But the point is, it says not having hated your your neighbor or your brother before then. So even there, it ties the idea of anger, hatred, with the idea of murder, That's, intentional so, murder. So it's really like it's like a it's not a premeditated thing. It's something that, is, that just happens that's in the what moment. What they're saying, yeah. Versus, and here's what's really it's interesting: an accident, yeah. About that that example you're giving, it feels like they're really driving that back to uh, Cain and Abel in the field. Oh yeah, that yeah, yeah, that's true. Cain has premeditated this, and he says, yep. "Come out to the field with me." Yep. Because yep, he's yep. gonna kill he him. He sets him up. He ambushes him. Right. Yeah. Right. That's interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's what's happening inside your heart. I mm-hmm. mean, that really determines what this is. Right. Yeah. I, I, we got. I got talking about this with some friends the other day. We were talking about uh, how did we get there? How did we get there? I'm not going to be able to remember exactly what got us on this subject, but we ended up talking about the fact that even worship could be disgusting in the eyes of God if it's not done out of love, if it's not done out of like a sacrificial love towards God, if it's just becoming like this rote tradition, this thing you're just doing, well, God finds that detestable. (laughs) Even though you're doing the right thing on the outside, what's happening on the inside of you is wrong. It's bad. And so the whole thing is bad. Same thing here. It's not so much what's happening on the outside of you. that Well, it does matter, but what's happening on the inside of you matters as much if right, not more. Right, right. You want a really gross application of that. I'm terrified, <laughs> but let's see what you got. So in the book of Malachi – um, uh, the prophet says that the Lord will take your sin offerings and throw them in your face uh, because they were not making the offering with the right attitude. What do you do when your world is falling apart? How do you march when it would be easier to stay where you are and die? Join me every week on the March or Die podcast, and we'll discuss that and so much more. Hmm. The sin offering was the internal organs and the feces of the animal that would be burned. God says, I will throw that in your face. Uh, That's gross, but it's really a solid picture of God uh, rejecting, completely rejecting any, uh, anything that's not from the heart. Right. Right. Yeah, that's rough, dude. It is. It is. Okay. You mentioned Cain and Abel, and I love that because I thought of Cain and Abel as well, thinking about uh, the first murder. Uh, Abel, um, he was accepted by God. Um, Cain's offering was not. And in Genesis, uh, what is that, Genesis 4? Uh, Genesis, yeah, it's yeah, Genesis yeah. 4. Um, the Lord actually speaks to Cain ahead of time and essentially says to Cain, uh, you know, Cain, I'm not rejecting your offering because of the offering. It's what's in your heart. Uh, sin is crouching at the door, but you can do it. You can master it. You can take care of it. Subdue it. Instead of that, Cain, who wants to um, I'm looking for the right term. Get rid of. He wants to uh, invalidate his brother's accepted offering since his offering is not accepted. And he says the best way for me to do that is to kill him. Hmm. Which I don't know that I would go there if I were 
well, Abel's I, brother. Uh, I'm going to be completely radical. honest. The the fact that you're only saying I don't know that I would go there has me a little worried. <laughs> Randy. I'm just. I I do carry a pocket knife. Oh, back, cool. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> well, that's watch good. your back. Watch yeah, your back. I gotcha. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's um, murder is the ultimate cancel. Yeah. Yeah. Which kind of leads us to what prompted this episode. Yeah. Is Randy had a hilarious title that that <laughs> is totally what this episode is going to be called. So you've already seen it. Yeah. Thou shall not cancel. <laughs> I love it. We live in the cancel culture. And okay. So we're not going to kill each other, but what do we do? We completely and totally shut each other off. I, okay. So. The I, I personally think the ultimate cancel that has happened in recent years, and understand, I am not defending this man. He has said some real outrageous stuff, uh, but the way people responded to him was so over the top as far as just shutting this guy out. But uh, Alex Jones, they removed him from everything. You couldn't type his name into a social media post. Like, if you did, it would shadow ban the post. Wow. It just, people just really wouldn't see it. Maybe a couple would, but like, by and large. So I'm unaware. Who is Alex Jones? Alex Jones is like a conspiracy theorist. Okay. Uh, he has InfoWars. Here's the thing a lot of what he says actually turns out to be true, but some of what he says is crazy. And he's real wild. He's outlandish, uh, which is why I'm not going to sit here and like defend him. But at the same time, the way people pushed back, I think what he ended up, I think what got him in trouble was he said he thought Sandy Hook was a hoax. Oh, okay. okay. And it went over as a it was a huge problem. Yeah. Um and he's come out and he's apologized and stuff for it since, and he owns that he was wrong yeah. on that. Um but the, he couldn't bank at most US banks. Oh they wouldn't let him in. Uh, he was removed from all forms of social media, so he wasn't allowed to speak anymore. So they took, I mean, they basically took away his voice in the public square. Um, it, but like they, they kind of, they tried to ruin him and they didn't. I mean, he's bounced back relatively okay, but what an effort to just destroy someone, right? Like that's the, and the reason I bring that up is that's just like the biggest image of canceling I have in my yeah, mind. Yeah, but yeah. like it, it's just, to totally negate the value of someone, to totally say you do not matter anymore. You, I mean, it's to dehumanize in a lot of ways. Yeah. And really, like, even, no matter how bad somebody messes up, that is a terrible thing to do to anyone. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. I, uh, one of my favorite bands, Mumford and Sons. Yeah. Uh, it's been about two years ago, I think. Um, their banjo player. Yeah. I, I'm not sure of his name. I don't remember. <clears throat> but, uh, he had said something on a post and there was this movement to cancel him. And as a result, he left Mumford and Sons and they have not done much since then. They weren't doing a whole lot at that point. In yeah, time you're true. Yeah. They, they'd kind but, of waned in but popularity. Still, but still. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that kind of caught me off guard, and I was surprised. First of all, at the whole concept of canceling, because it's counter to what I would do, I guess. But uh, especially surprised by the extreme to which it got. He eventually said, "Well, I'll, I will leave Mumford and Sons to not affect them." Right. Yeah, I mean, I think we're at an interesting point in cancel culture. And, I mean, we kind of have to talk about cancel culture if that's yeah. sort of what we're digging that's into at this point. what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Um, I, I do think we're kind of on the backside of it. Like, I think we're on the uptick away from the problems Good. because I think people are starting to figure out how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, But it's definitely still a present thing. And it's it's not healthy. It's not good. There are so much better ways to deal with disagreeing with people. If somebody says something outrageous, okay, cool. Y you don't have to endorse them anymore. 
but to dehumanize and invalidate their human interactions and to remove their voice is not one as an American citizen, it's not constitutional, but two, like it's not the way we Christians are to deal with things either. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're to dialogue, we're to talk, we're to, we're to work things out. Right. Which I think you actually brought this up um, that, that, people might have some pushback on a statement like that. Yes. Because there are some things in the Bible that could very much make it look like can- like canceling is a part of Christianity. Right, right. But I think Randy and I are, are in agreement here that that's not quite true. That canceling is not... Well, I think it is, and I'm just not going to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> From the look on your face, I knew what you were about to say wasn't going to be true. I just, I didn't know what it was going to be, so I had to give it a second. <laughs> Um, so there are two passages in scripture, uh, uh, one of them from the mouth of Jesus himself. Uh, Jesus, Matthew 18 says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. But if you're unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And if the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, for, first and foremost, like, what, what, we just had a sermon on this not too long ago here at church. Um, but the first thing that really needs picked out about that is this is not a one size fits all no. situation. No. This is a if someone personally wrongs right. you as right. an individual. Not if they the wrong process. somebody else, you're to take up their offense. No, 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 no. That is not right. <laughs> right. Right. And like given this probably could be applied to a lot of situations. Sure. But the point is it's not saying here is your one-size-fits-all solution. Right. This is for a very specific type of situation. And then secondly, uh, there are general principles that Jesus wants us to follow. First, go to the person. Don't go to a third party. Right. Don't start and gossip. Don't start gossip. Right. Don't triangulate. Which which is so funny because what's the first thing we do whenever we got a problem with anybody these days? Oh. People take it to social media. Right. People take it to the – I mean, if you're a celebrity, it goes to the news outlets. It goes right. to the right. – Straight TMZ, to everyone. Right. Everyone knows exactly what you just did, right? We smear people immediately. Right. Yeah. But we're to go to the person individually. Right. Talk to them. I honestly think that 98 times out of 100, that'll fix it. Maybe, maybe it's high. <laughs> maybe it's high. <laughs> you may be real hopeful, but yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. Optimist. I hear yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. The majority of the time that's going to fix it. I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. If it doesn't, you go back with witnesses. You take somebody with you. Mm-hmm. I've, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you've been asked to do that. I have. I've, uh, gone with somebody to be that witness. And it does bring an extra level of seriousness sure. to the situation. I've and, been in one situation like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's a little awkward. Yeah. Oh. It's got to happen. Even going to a person privately is awkward. Right. Because you're saying, here's how I feel. Right. We might need to get into that too. Okay. I'm good with that. And there's one thing I want to clear up about what we're talking about right now. Right. The conversation we're having right now, this system that we're talking through, this way of handling things, biblically is spelled out among Christians. This is when one believer wrongs another believer. Right. This is not for a Christian and a non-believer. Right. Because the witness you're supposed to bring back is church leadership or other people from the church. Right. And what good's that going to do you if you're arguing with somebody that's not that is a not believer? A they don't care if you go get your pastor. That. Like, who right. cares? Like, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. And then uh, the third thing that you – well, no, 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 no. Let's stay – let's hang there on the first and the second point. Um, so what do you do? How do you make that approach? When uh, somebody has wronged you, do you just go to him and start yelling at him? 
And uh, no, <laughs> you don't. That's not the way to begin. Um, this is more just from uh, experience, what tends to work and what doesn't tend to work. Um, when I go to somebody to talk to them about a wrong that I feel because of something that they have done, uh, I will not make a lot of you statements. You did this because you think that, and then you did that, and you did that because you are this way. I don't know any of that. I don't know what goes on inside your head. All I know is what I feel. So what I've discovered, uh, first of all, out of experience, if I go and say to somebody, you did this because you think that, the perfect defense is, no, I don't. I have nowhere to go after that. After that. Right, right. Uh, if they say, no, I don't feel that way, then conversation over. What I've found is that if I go to somebody and say, when you did this, this is what I felt. This is how I reacted inside. This is what I thought. They can't say, no, you didn't feel that way because that was my feeling. That right. was what happened in me. So uh, I can validate that. I can honestly feel that way. And the typical response that I'll get once I do that is, oh, well, I never intended for what I did to be taken that way. Here's what I was trying to do. And that's how things usually get resolved. When I understand their motivation and what they were trying to accomplish, and they understand how I actually responded to what they were trying to do, nine times out of ten, we can work things out at that level. Right. Rarely is it, well, I'm glad you felt that way because that is what I was going for. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a wild conversation? I've had that conversation. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, good. I'm glad. Good. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm I going hope for. it hurts worse tomorrow. <laughs> um, so, something else to think about too with this is the intention of having a conversation like this in the first place isn't to go in and make the other person hurt worse. No. And I think sometimes in arguments, we go in 100% oh, trying yeah. to make the other person hurt. Definitely. Worse. I want to tell you a piece of my mind so then you know how I feel. And you, But but what Randy's saying is I, I want you to know how I feel so we can resolve this. Yeah. The point of this should be reconciliation. If you're not going into this conversation for reconciliation, you're already wrong to begin with. Right. You are the bad guy in right, this situation right, right. now. It doesn't matter if you were the one that got wronged. If you're not going to talk to this person to make things right, you're wrong. And equally, if your first impulse is to cancel, to cut off communication, you're wrong as well. Yeah. Yeah. That – um, you're, I agree. First of all, let me say that. But yeah, there are some really hard situations people go through. Yes, there are in which reconciliation may not be possible. And so I could understand how your knee jerk reaction in that situation would be. I must cut myself off from this person, and maybe it's a matter of your safety. Yes, maybe it's a matter of you. Like you can't be around them because you are putting your life in danger. Yep. That is a different situation and that has to be totally differently. Different. Yes. This is more for when two people are having a disagreement, when two people are upset with each other. This is not like an abuse scenario. No. That is a whole other ballgame. An that abusive has to be situation. You've got to get it. You've got to cancel. You've uh, got to cut them off. You've I, got I don't to, know if I want to use the word cancel, though. Probably not. Yeah. I, you you have to take the appropriate measures to keep yourself and those in danger safe. Right. Um, and that may involve getting the authorities involved. I would say it almost always does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but cancel has such a negative connotation. That, it does. That feels spiteful. Yeah. That yeah. feels hateful. I'm not saying you need to hate an abuser. In fact, we would be commanded to, commanded to forgive anyone that right. hurts us, but that still doesn't mean to allow them to hurt us. I guess a more appropriate word would be you need to isolate from that person. Sure, you sure. Should, you should cut off contact. I think isolate's better there. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So we've gone through two scenarios. 
you go to the person privately and you talk about how, what they did, how you felt. If that doesn't resolve the situation, you go back with witnesses and you basically do the same thing again. You basically say, I want to make sure that you understand what I was saying. I have someone with me here to make sure that I am expressing myself appropriately and adequately. Um, and they might still not want to, uh, reconcile. Mm-hmm. So that takes us to the third situation. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a tax collector. Now this is found in the book of Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Yeah. Interesting. It was my wife that pointed this out to me. Thank you, honey. Um, she was absolutely right. Matthew is a tax collector. I don't think Matthew is saying cut them off. Well, and before maybe we explain this, it, I think it's fair to state that this passage traditionally tends to get read as cut them off. Yes, it does. By many teachers, many... Com- excommunicate them, throw them out. Uh, right. Yeah. I, I don't. I'm not Have convinced that's what's happening here. Right. Yeah. Because Matthew was a tax collector. The way Jesus treated him was he started at ground zero. He started from nothing. I'm not going to assume anything about whether you believe in me or not. And gradually, Jesus brought Matthew up to a point that Matthew believed. And Jesus approached him and said, follow me. And Matthew said, all right, I will, and did. Um, I almost think what Matthew is quoting Jesus as saying here is if they don't receive you, recognize that they are no longer in that Christian fellowship. They may not have been. They may not with. have been in the past. Right. Yeah. So recognize that. And start over from square one with them. Right. Like start looking at this person as someone who obviously does not know Jesus because they're they're clearly not trying to follow him in this. So do you never talk to him again? No. Well, no, we're supposed to talk to everybody about Jesus, but we don't go to, we don't confide in that person now. Right. This isn't going to be the person you're going to go to and spill your guts to and tell them all your, like you're not going to, you're not going to look at this person as like a, a discipleship partner is someone right. to like confide in is somebody to help you grow in Christ because like they're not the kind of person that takes it seriously. So even if they are a Christian, they're not a very good one right. and they really need help getting back to knowing the basics. And that's kind of what, how I take this. Yeah. As, as you pray for them, you're not praying, uh, strengthen my Christian brother, Lord. You're saying, Lord, Give me the right words to bring them into a good relationship with you. To a place of repentance. To a place of repentance. Yeah. 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 Okay. So that's the one passage. That's the the Jesus passage. Uh, there's another passage, and it's in 1 Corinthians. And that's where Paul, uh, he really gets out of joint. Uh, we talk about anger. Uh, there's no way you can read this passage and not sound angry. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 5, first eight verses. Paul says, it's actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans don't tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. Now, probably here, a stepmother, not, not his mom. Which is still not okay within Jewish tradition. Oh, not at all. Yeah. Paul says, You're proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who's been doing this? For my part, even though I'm not physically present, I'm with you as spirit. As one who is present with you in this way, I've already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus on the one who's been doing this. So when you are assembled and I'm with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit 
might be saved on the day of the Lord. Then Paul goes on, he talks about yeast. And I think the reason he does that is he's saying what this guy is doing can spread in different ways through the whole lump of dough that is the church. Right. So uh, get rid of him because if you don't, it could really mess you up. Right. So is that a Christian cancel culture? I well, you're gonna have to tell us part two before we can actually answer that, Randy. <laughs> See, I know where you're going. It's right, not yeah, because we <laughs> planned this and talked about it. So uh, it would be easy for you to assume yes. Yeah, right. But that's why we have to read the Bible holistically. That's right. In the book Second Corinthians, writing to the same group of people, early in the book, Paul says this, and we're now in Second uh, Corinthians chapter two, verses five to eleven. I'm not overstating it when I said that the man who caused all the trouble hurt all of you more than he hurt me. Now, what man? This comes out of the blue. I think Paul is talking about the guy that he said, hand him over to Satan. Paul goes on. He says, most of you opposed him. We're now in verse 6. That was punishment enough. Now, however, it's time to forgive and comfort him. Otherwise, he may be overcome by discouragement. So I urge you now to reaffirm your love for him. I wrote to you as I did. The first, the, the, the letter that he wrote in between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. I wrote to you as I did to test you to see if you'd fully comply with my instructions. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. Whenever I forgive what needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit so that Satan will not outsmart us. We're familiar with his evil schemes. I mean, it just fits. He's talking about Satan and how Satan works. In the first Corinthians, he said, turn this man over to Satan. Now he's saying there's a man who... uh Basically, Satan has had his way with. Reach out to him. Win him back. Forgive him. Love him back into your fellowship. I think it's the same guy. It's a very prodigal son scenario. Definitely I is. mean, this guy's out been eaten in the pig pen. He's yep. seen the worst of it. Yep. He's been thrown back to the wolves, and he realizes what he's done. And he, I mean, it, it, look, even if it's not the same guy, this still tells you how you should oh, yeah. handle uh, someone who's It still says that reconciliation right. is possible. Right. So what do you think it meant when Paul said, hand him over to Satan? Um, for me personally, I've always looked at this as not like a shunning, not like a like treating them as less than, but like removing them from within, like the, maybe they're not worshiping with you. Maybe they're not uh, coming to your house church and having fellowship and eating the communion. Maybe you're not in this like close relationship as you were. You're not done with them. You've not given up on them. You don't hate them, but you, maybe you are treating them now like they are an unbeliever. Maybe you are treating them like an unrepentant sinner, you know, like you're trying to bring them to a place of repentance and they're out there and they don't have that support structure they had. They don't have the Christian family they once had. They're They're kind of out in the world now. That's kind of how I see it, too. I see it as Paul says when we're in fellowship in the church, we are protected. Jesus uh, uh, protects us from all of the attacks of Satan that come our way. This guy is an unrepentant sinner. He's rejecting the fellowship of the church. So let him have his way. He's rejecting us. Let Satan have his way with him then. If that's what he wants, let that work its way in the rest of his life. Let him suffer the consequences of what this way of living does in your life. Of his choice. It's like when God removes his protection from Israel. Yeah. 
He lets the enemy come in and have its way with them, and they get drug off into exile, and their lives get hard. And then when they eventually cry out to God to save them, he comes back and he saves them. He does. You know, it, and we're the hands and feet of Christ. It's a similar thing. We it's, do basically Okay, the same if you thing, don't yeah. want Jesus, we're not going to make you have Jesus. But once you realize what life without him is like, we're here. Yeah. We're here. Come back in the fold. Come on back. We don't want you gone. Yeah. You left. That's what's happening by yep. you not repenting. So it's not exile. It's letting somebody make their way out as they please. The book of Romans, first chapter, uh, the end of that first chapter, uh, Paul, in the middle of the chapter, he talks about how mankind uh, turned their back on God and they worship the creature instead of the creator. And there are three things that Paul says at the end of Romans 1. Each one starts with God turned them over. Turned them over to their reprobate mind. Turned them over to their lusts. And turned them over to something else. I didn't look it up. But uh, basically he's saying God looked at them and said, is that what you want? All right. We'll see where it gets you. <laughs> and. They're messed up. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. Uh, I mean, that's a much healthier view of how to deal with issues within the church body, right? Right. And I mean, uh, this is where it gets hard is like, how do we deal with non-Christians that hurt us? Hmm. Because we don't really have a framework for that biblically. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. I think it may be a similar thing. I mean, I, well, okay. So if the, if the worst it gets for us when we deal with Christians that hurt us is that we stop thinking them of them as these close, accountable people, right. Right. maybe it's a similar thing for non-believers. We just realize, Hey, like, I'm still going to love you, but I'm, I'm kind of keeping you at an arm's length where yeah. you can't hurt me. Yeah. Like, we're good. I don't hate you. We're right. fine. I hope yeah. we can reconcile because I care about you. But if you don't want that, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like force myself to be in your life. I'm not gonna like try to. You, you know what I'm saying? Like I think there's a a sense of like you, you are not with in this like inner circle of mine. And I do think we're kind of warmed biblically that like to be careful not to have like people that don't know Christ to be the like closest informants in your life. Yeah. Because I think you're right. Because the information they give you is not going to be biblical sound mm -hmm. advice. They don't know Christ. They don't know how to help you. Um, and so I, I'm not saying you can't be friends with non-believers, but it's just like, it's not going to be the same kind of friendship you could have. Exactly. With yeah. believers. It's like a level of friendship. Right. There are things that I can talk to with Christian brothers and sisters that just make no sense to people that don't know Christ. They have no framework for no, it. Yeah. No. Yeah. So it just changes the dynamic a bit. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're still not to hate people. We're still not to try and ruin people. We're still not to dehumanize people. We're not to cancel people. That right. is not what Christians do. So we've talked a little bit here about what we should do and what we shouldn't do. We shouldn't cancel. Thou shalt not cancel. Like, the title of the podcast is, what do we do when we get canceled? Can we pause? Can we do okay. one more thing? Because I have sure. a thought. So I thought about what Jesus did when he was confronted with cancel culture. Because he is. In John 8, when the Pharisees attempt to, can attempt to drag Jesus into cancel culture. Yeah. To have him, I shouldn't say the Pharisees, the teachers of religious law. Right. They ambush Jesus while he is teaching a large yeah. group of people, and they bring forward a, a woman who's been caught in adultery, and they put him on the spot and ask him what they should do, mm -hmm. because the answer is they should stone her to death. Right. Right? That's that's the Old Testament way of doing things. But the trick is they don't have the authority to put a person to death under Roman law. Right. They don't have the authority. They're really not in a court situation. No. They're, this is a vigilante group. Right. And they're doing it to, one, ruin her. Right. Two, where's the guy? That's the question I always have. <laughs> yep. So yep. did they set this up? Yeah, probably. It kind of looks that Could way. Could have totally been one of them, right? Like, we don't know. Could have been. 
And they're doing it to make Jesus put Jesus in a situation where no matter what he says, he loses. Right. 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 Or at least they think so. Right. And so Jesus, when confronted with the situation, just chooses not to play the game. Yeah. He goes a different route. He doesn't give them the answer they asked for. What should we do with them? He basically turns the mirror back on them and says, okay, yeah, sure. Um, I'll tell you what. Whoever's without sin should throw the first stone and basically <laughs> puts them in this situation, making them all realize they're all as guilty as this woman. Yeah, especially if they set this situation up. Right. Right. And I mean, it's not like these are just terrible human beings. They're, these are these are still religious men that care about God. Right. That, I mean, that. so when faced with this moral dilemma now, they set down their rocks and go home. And then Jesus <laughs> turns to the girl who is guilty. She, yeah, she yeah, did yeah, commit yeah. the act of adultery. And he says, oh, did they all leave? You know, oh, gotcha. Well, I'm not going to condemn you, but stop go home it. and stop sinning. Yeah, stop it. Stop doing this. <laughs> you don't need to do this anymore. And so he shows her love, but he's also stern enough to say, oh, yeah. this is wrong. Yeah. Don't do this anymore. So he just saved her life. Right. And gave her a quick little lesson <laughs> out the door. Like, okay. That was very quit. Jesus of him, wasn't it? <laughs> right. So, like, it's not like when somebody does something wrong, we don't avoid addressing the issue. There's still an issue. We still let them know there's an issue. Yeah. Just like Jesus did. But that doesn't mean we have to dehumanize somebody and look exactly. down on them and hate them because exactly. Jesus most certainly didn't do that. And we shouldn't get the crowd riled up and say, oh, yeah, you guys are totally right for making this person feel like garbage. That's not the point of this. The point of this is to correct – like even when it's done in a court situation, the the point is to do away with sin so sin doesn't corrupt everyone. Yes. Yes. It's not to hate people that do wrong because right. everybody does wrong. Right. And that's how Jesus chooses to to deal with the situation is he points back to everybody else and goes, you're all guilty. Every single one of you is guilty. Right. Right. So unless, you know, if you're, if you're sinless, go ahead. Yeah. Throw the, throw that first thing. <laughs> and maybe that's how we, maybe that's the first thing we should think when confronted with whether or not we should cancel somebody is where am I guilty? Yeah. Because I am, that's, because I'm a human being. And that's a good, uh, that's a good point. Yeah. When you start there, it's going to be a whole, mu- it's going to be a whole lot more sobering yeah. situation. What have I done to bring this about? Well, what have I done to make myself a judge over this person? Yeah. Like, 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 am I so squeaky clean that I am allowed to stand here and actually think that I'm better than this person? Yeah. That's maybe step one. Yeah. Start there and I think the rest will fall in place. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting to kind of see that played out. And, and look for the Bible nerds here. Yes, that passage is not in the earliest manuscripts right. of scripture, but it's also old enough that people would have been around to say that it wasn't actually something that happened if it was fake. Therefore, it stays in the Bible. <laughs> Deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> the end. That's all I got. But um, yeah, so sorry. Didn't mean to stop that, but I just wanted to throw that in there because yeah. I wanted to see how Jesus deals with stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And very appropriate. Very. I mean, that's almost a textbook of how to respond. So if we are canceled, what should we do? <sighs> Don't play the game. <laughs> That's what Jesus did, right? Yeah. I mean, really? Like, do you want the Bible answer or do you want the, like, living in today's world answer? Because we can do both. Well, let's start with the Bible answer and then let's try to apply it to today's world. Actually, can we do the living in today's world one first? Because it's like two seconds. Okay. Uh, If you just refuse to be canceled, you can't be canceled. That's the real. (laughs) Like, just watch anyone. They try to cancel. And if they go, no, you're not canceled. Right. The end. It's only when you give in to the cancel game. That you actually get canceled. For a, for a lot of people, uh, they became popular because they were canceled. <laughs> I, that does happen, right? That's, uh, that's, that's a big deal. I had, when I was in music school, uh, back in the day, uh, I had a teacher say the best thing you could do is, uh, if you ever did a cover of another band's album or a song they did, and then, uh, you know, you were to get popular, that'd be great. And somebody was like, well, what if they sue you? He's like, oh, that'd be the best thing that ever happened to you. You get sued for a million dollars and you go make $10 million. It's going to be great. 
He's like, go, go get sued by as many bands as you can. You're going to be famous. It's going to be awesome. I thought that was the funniest advice ever. Not saying to do that. It was just a funny story. But, um, yeah. So Bible answer, what to do if you're canceled. Jesus says you're going to get canceled. Pretty much. They, they told the disciples, Hey, they're going to hate, they hate me. They're going to hate you. Jesus came and they gave him the big cancel. Yep. They killed him. They killed him. Yeah. So, I mean, and he says, if and you're going to follow still him. still said no. <laughs> oh, isn't that funny? Like, you think of cancel, you think of like a big X, and they killed him on a cross. Isn't that interesting? That is. That is. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if there's a – no, there's nah, not. Probably not. But, but, but it works. So, point being, um, Jesus says, if you're going to follow him, come pick up your cross. Yeah. Be yeah. ready. Be ready to be canceled. Be be ready to understand that people are going to hate you because they hated him. But he also says that if they hate you, understand that they don't really hate you. They just hate him. Yeah. He says that too. So it's like yeah. Yeah. if you're a representative of God, they're going to hate you because they hate him. And here's where uh, I, I think the biblical answer kind of mirrors what you just said the real life answer is. Just refuse to be canceled. Keep the dialogue going. Yeah. Keep loving. Keep loving. Yeah. Keep talking. Keep sharing. Because look, like, is that going to win every time? No. But I mean, many times in scripture, they do kind of work their way out of really sketchy situations by just doing the right thing, by continuing to preach, by continuing to tell the truth about Jesus. I mean, they end up in prison and things, but then they get out of prison. You know, they they end up getting almost stoned, but they don't die. They end up getting, you know, like, it's like... (laughs) They get put in really bad situations, but they still come through. His followers do. Um, now, you know, in the end, not so great for most of them. Right, right, but right. we're promised that. Not so great for most of them, but look what happened. Yeah. I mean, here we are today because they refused to be canceled. Yeah. Yeah. Um you know, Jesus says he's sending us out as uh, sheep among wolves. Yeah. Sheep are defenseless. Yeah, true. They don't true. have claws. They don't bite. Nope. You know, it's, and that's how we need to view our, our ministry for Jesus. We're, we're going out into a dangerous world. <laughs> and that's not real uplifting, but it's what Jesus told us. Like, it just is. He said, but but he also tells us not to fear because he's with us and he's conquered the world. I mentioned, and I, I almost hesitate to bring this up, but I mentioned Dennis Kinlaw. He told a story of one time, somebody that he had talked to. They were from Eastern Europe, and uh, they had been imprisoned in Eastern Europe. This was back during the Cold War. Uh, they were released. They were in uh, Western Western Europe now and making plans to go back to Eastern Europe. And... um some of the members of the church that this fellow was visiting said, uh, why are you going back? You're going to be imprisoned again. You might be killed. <laughs> Kinlaw said that the man said, the essence of lambness is to be consumed. Now. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Dang. That's like. Think uh... about that. Yeah. Oh, what's his name? Dietrich Bonhoeffer. No, no, no. no. Oh, he's, is that who he's said that? He's another one. Oh. No, no, no. Church father. Very, he was like a, he was like a Roman soldier or something originally, wasn't he? Hold on. Oh, that was, um, yeah. Hold on to the, uh, oh man. I'm going to. Really? He started a, a big movement. It's actually really? an order in, I know. Uh, in the Catholic Church. Keep talking because I'm going to uh, figure this out. <laughs> is it the Jesuits? I don't remember. There was a church father who refused to be rescued. They were coming to rescue him. He was imprisoned. They were going to come get him. And he said, no, let me die because my blood will do more for the gospel than my oh, life. Oh, oh no, no. That was uh, that was one of the apostolic fathers. Uh uh, the martyrdom of Polycarp. Nope. Wasn't Polycarp? Nope. Polycarp's okay. killed and they uh, supposedly try to stab him. And yeah, his yeah, blood, yeah, or yeah, they try yeah. to burn him and the blood puts out the but fire. But I thought they were trying to rescue him before. And he, he was it said, Irenaeus? 
Arrhenius. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Point is, it's a cool concept. It's the idea that you're it's martyred the willingness to be a martyr. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you're, to be a messenger. And yeah. what? I, there's a reason. Don't shoot the messenger. Is something people say. <laughs> That's All right. right? That's like, right. Because people want to shoot messengers. Over the years, uh, I've preached sermons, and one of the sermons that I preach is about total commitment. And uh, I remember at the end of it, asking people if they were willing to give their life for Jesus, to give their life for Jesus, to stand up. And the first, oh boy, the first person to stand up was Art Shelton. Art Shelton was a 70-year-old missionary to Japan, 70 years old. I said to him afterwards, Art, why? And he said, because 50 years ago, I made that commitment to the Lord Jesus, and it hadn't changed. And <laughs> I mean, that that is the precondition, and I don't think we think of it that way. He says, "If you're gonna come, follow me. Pick up pick your up cross, cross and yep. come." Like you're accepting death. You are. I mean, and you are accepting canceled culture. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yep. it's not even physical death. Yeah. Maybe it's they're just going to hate you yep. because if you notice, Jesus said hate and murder, kind of the same deal. Yep. Like if if everyone hates you, they might as well have killed you. Yeah. Right. They've ruined you. They've destroyed your reputation. They, they you know, they can do whatever they want. But like expect that. Yeah. And I don't know that that's something we in Western Christianity think a whole lot about. We don't because we don't have to. And how – how it's comfortable for us. and nice yeah. and terrible that that is the truth, you know, <laughs> because yeah. like there, whenever people get talking about like eschatology and they start talking about like, oh, how God would never make his people deal with like, you know, the worst parts of the end and all that, you know, I just always question whether or not they've ever considered that there are Christians on the other side of the world right now getting their heads cut That's off right. because That's they right. follow Jesus. Right. Like. That's never been a real part of the yeah. situation. Like yeah. people die for Jesus every day. We're just lucky enough here in this part of the world. We don't see a whole lot of it. Voice of the martyrs say that there are more martyrs today than there have been in the entire history of the of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I believe it. Oh, for sure. I think Nigeria is it is like one oh. of the worst today. There are thousands of Christians that are giving their life because they are Christian Burma in what's called the tension belt of Africa. Uh, Burma is another place, uh, Myanmar. Uh, we deal with uh, uh, here where we are in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, we have ministry with a large community of Chin. Chin is a state of Burma. And by and large, they, they have been chased from their homes. Their homes have been because they're burned Christians. because they're Christians. I don't know if this is true, but I was told, and I've never fact-checked this, so please hear me out. This may be wrong, but I've heard Southport, Indiana, where we basically live, has the second largest chin population in the world. I think you're right. Yeah. yeah. And number one is Fort Wayne. Really? <laughs> Neither one of them are Burma? I mean – Neither one of them – well, the Chins have by and large been driven out. Oh, wow. So, yeah, not Burmese, but the Chin people Wow, are almost all refugees now. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's happening. It, 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 we're persecuted every day. Christians are persecuted every day. We're lucky enough here in the States in Western Hemisphere that we don't probably see a whole lot of it. But it happens, y'all. Yeah. It's happening all around us. This went dark quick. <laughs> well, but it's true. It's There's no um, benefit in pulling punches on the truth, you know? It's like, true. It's just yeah. – it is what it is. Uh, and when you're talking about something heavy like this, it's, it is what it is. It, yeah. it deserves to be known. Um, at the end of the day, don't hate people. Yeah. Don't cancel people. Reconcile with one another. Dialogue. Talk it out. Read the gospel. Yep. <laughs> and uh, if you go into an argument, 
uh, without the intention of reconciliation, spreading the gospel, and loving the other person, you are wrong. Shut up and go home. Yeah, just don't even go <laughs> talk to them. Like, go go figure yourself out, and then... Get your heart right <laughs> exactly, first. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then if you're canceled, look, you're going to be. So, well, let's say this. You should be. If you're preaching the gospel, if you're representing Jesus well, yeah. people will hate you. Yeah. Um, I, I heard a quote once that the, the biggest problem we have with preachers today is that nobody's trying to kill us. And, uh, <laughs> I think that that's a, that's at least in this part of the world, right? Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's way too easy on us here. And maybe that's because we're not going as hard as we should sometimes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, Maybe we are not cancelable. Should be though. Saying things that would merit the world canceling us. Yeah. We should be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that you guys uh are blessed by this episode. I pray that you would be thinking about it and thinking about thinking about our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. They need prayer. So please be praying for them. Um, those who are persecuted and, uh, that you would be ready to be persecuted because it's coming someday. Uh, you know, that's, that's who we are. Um, go check out our, our website. Uh, that's uh, saltysaintspodcast.com. Go check out our friends at Life Audio. They've got lots of cool podcasts up over there. Uh, they've got podcasts on pretty much everything for, uh, family living, Christian living, uh, Bible study, uh, relationship advice, stuff like that. Go check them out. And until next time, stay salty. Dedicating time each day to spend feeding our minds and our hearts the truth of God's Word is immensely helpful in our growth as followers of Christ. I'm John Stonge, and each day I host a show called Daily Devotions with Pastor John. On the show, I spend just a few minutes taking an applicational look at one or two verses of Scripture before coming to the Lord in prayer. If you'd like to make a habit of spending more time meditating on the truth of God's Word, You can listen to Daily Devotions with Pastor John at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.